Well, good morning, Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Prairie Sound. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12 is going to be this morning, starting in verse 22. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, you have people who are coming to the aisles right now who would love to get a Bible into your hands. If you forgot your Bible or didn't bring a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up, grab one of these. If you don't own a Bible, just take this home as our gift to you. You're not stealing from church. It's a gift. Take it uh, and, uh, and open it up right now to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is going to be this morning, starting in verse 22. As you're turning to the book of Luke, I just want to ask a question, just just show of hands. How many of you here by show of hands would say, you worry? You worry about stuff, you have worried about stuff, you kind of battle with worry every once in a while. Okay, a lot of hands and a lot of liars who aren't throwing their hands up, right? Yeah, it's just something that, that a lot of us do. And in fact, and, and we so readily admit it. Yeah, I, I worry. And, and why would we readily admit it? Because I would call it one of these acceptable sins. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean a sin? To worry is a sin? <clears throat> well, we're gonna be studying this passage here and Jesus just right off the bat in verse 22 says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Jesus says, do not worry Philippians 4 says the same. It says the same in 1 Peter over and over again. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. But, but it's this acceptable sin. It's a sin that we'd so easily say, yeah, I battle with that. In fact, if I had said, hey, raise your hands, everybody who struggles with lust. Like hands aren't shooting up in the air so quickly, right? All you guys who cheat on your taxes, throw your hands up. We're not doing that. But when we talk about worry... I mean, just with a quick survey here this morning, it would seem that it's something that all of us, many of us, it's a normal human experience for us. But it's so clear here, we're gonna see in this text as Jesus teaches us that it it may be common for us, but it's not the way that God intended us to live. So something so common, and and for some of us here, for some of you, not just common, but difficult. Difficult at times devastating in your life, but something so common as worry, and it's not the way God intended for his children to live. So then how do we move from anxiousness to hope, from fear to worry? How how do we trust like Jesus trusts? I mean, how do we live in a world filled with worry and fear and anxiety? How do we live in such a way that people would look in on your life and say, man, I see your life. I see the struggles you have, the pain you're going through, but you seem to have hope. You have joy. You have peace. Now, the fact that worry and anxiety is considered sin and the the fact that it's so common amongst us should leave us so desperately aware of our need for a Savior. I mean, this is our hope as we jump in this morning to what Jesus has for us this morning. Our hope this morning is this. Is it a sin to worry? Yes, but Jesus loves sinners. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus redeems sinners. Jesus transforms sinners. Jesus loves people who are anxious. Died for people who are anxious. Redeems and transforms our hearts. How? By bringing us hope and joy and peace so that we can trust like Jesus. We're going to be digging in and unpacking these verses. So let me read it all the way through for us right now. So starting in verse 22, it says this, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? 
If then you who are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me pray before we jump in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I think that in the midst of, of a world that is filled with fear and, and anxiety and worry that we can stand firm on who you are. That Lord Jesus, we can stand firm and rest easy in who you say you are and who you say we are. And so God, I pray this morning as we open up your word, the foundation that we can stand on, God, that you would, you would open our hearts and our minds that maybe even this morning, God, that we'd be able to release the anxiety. We'd be able to let go of the fear. We'd be able to grab a hold of hope and trust in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes this morning, here's the first point this morning. It's this. I have good reasons to be anxious. I have good reasons to be anxious. I mean, when you think about it, we really do have good reasons to worry. And I, I'm not gonna stand up here as the preacher and saying, hey, stop worrying, there's nothing to worry about. When you look in our world, there's plenty to worry about. There are hurricanes that just seem to not stop and keep coming, earthquakes and, and, and fear and threat of war, threat of terrorism, what we saw in Las Vegas just a couple weeks ago. There's job insecurity, there's, there's financial struggles, there's parenting worries, there's health concerns, there's relationship problems, there's uncertain futures. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> I just don't want you to hear me say that there's nothing to be worried about here in the book of Luke as, as he's recounting what, what Jesus was saying, as Jesus was preaching to these people. He's talking to very poor people. I mean, think about who he's talking to. They, they don't have a health care plan. They don't, they don't have a, a great opportunity to gain wealth and security like, like we would now. They were basically just, just scratch farmers, day by day, living on what they could raise. And I mean, if you think about it, how much they just depended on something as simple as rain. If it didn't rain for a long time, if we, if we have a drought in Muskoka, the worst thing that happens to you and I is our lawn gets brown. These guys die of starvation. So Jesus is saying to these guys, do not worry when there are things to worry about. And I think it's why unpacking God's word is, is like this is so good. I would say this, this is one of those Sundays that I can step up here with confidence that what I'm gonna talk about is something that hits every single one of us. Something that's relevant to all of us. I, I know something about you. You worry. You know the exact same thing about me, that, that we battle with worry and anxiety, and it, it starts at such a young age, doesn't it? Even, even young school kids, I mean, if you're here this morning, you're a young school kid, that, that, that you know what worry is. 
I mean, you might worry that your older sibling gets a better allowance than you do, right? You, you might worry about school. You might worry about your, your parents. You might worry about friends. And, and then you get older, and then, then worries grow. Worries about friends seem to grow as you get older. And, and who am I, and how do I fit into, into my little circle of, of friends? You worry more about school. Am I going to get good enough grades to get into university? And, and when I'm in university, will I get good enough grades to get the job that I want? Then you get a job, and you're worried, man, is this job going to pay enough? Will I have enough money to buy a house? Will I have enough money to, to have kids? And well, what about my kids? Are, are they going to be healthy? Are, are they going to walk with the Lord? Are... We worry about our relationships, about work, about money, about our image, about our future, about our families. I mean, I don't know about you, but even, even when things are going really, really well, there's a low hum of anxiety that you can feel. It seems there's always something to worry about. My question for you this morning is to take it out of the general, but for you this morning, here, right now, what is it that comes in and hijacks the controls of your mind and your heart and takes over with worry and anxiety? Like, think about it. What's the one thing or the two things or the dozen things that grab a hold of your heart? What are the questions you ask? Do we have enough money? Do I have any real friends? Well, does anybody really love me? What if somebody else gets picked for that team, that role, that committee, that job? Will, will I ever find a soulmate? And if I do find one, will they be faithful to me? Will I be able to have kids? And, and if I do have kids, how will they turn out? And, and what about my health? Or, or who am I really? And Jesus speaks into this very real fear. And in verse 32, it says this. He says, fear not, little flock. Fear not. Do you know that's the, the most uttered command in all of Scripture? When, when you gather up all the commands of Scripture, the most common command given as you read through God's Word is fear not. I mean, think about that. The Bible was written over the course of thousands of years, over 40 different authors from, from different cultures and nations and time periods, and yet one message seems to ring out, fear not. That one thing that's consistent is that people are governed by their fears. And so this morning, as we keep unpacking this a bit more, maybe we need to understand what is fear? What are we talking about when we say Fear. I think fear can be broken down in, into three different categories. One is this, that I fear I won't get what I want. I fear that what I get, I won't be able to keep. And I fear that I will get what I don't want. I mean, that, that's basically all fears can fall in those categories. I, I fear that, that I'm not gonna get what I want. I, I wanna get married, but I, I don't think I'll get married, so I'm fearful. I wanna have kids, but I don't think I'll have kids, so I'm fearful. I want to graduate, but I'm not sure I'm going to graduate. I want a job. I want to serve God. I, I want to own a house. I want a promotion. These things that we want, and we wonder what will happen. Will I get those? And, and fear begins to set in. Or we, we fear that we're going to lose what we already have. We're married. Will this end well? We're pregnant. What if I miscarry? 
The child was born. How will they turn out? Will they be healthy? Will they love God? I, I got the job. The economy's rough. Will I be able to keep this job? We got the house. Well, what if I can't make the mortgage? What then? And so we, we fear that, that something our heart longs for and we have that we're gonna lose that causes fear. Or, or the third one was we, we fear that we're gonna get what we don't want. I got cancer. I didn't want that. I got fired, that's not what I wanted. My, my spouse left and nobody wants to marry me. This, this isn't what I wanted and fear comes in. Listen, what all of this points to, when we start to understand what fear is, what it's all pointing to is this. It reveals what we value, what we love, what we prioritize, what we long for. Why? Because we only fear losing things that we love. We only fear getting things that we hate. So, so this fear reveals a lot in our heart about what's going on, what's essential to me, what do I hope in the most, what's primary to my life. And so the question we need to ask when we think about worry, what causes my worry? Why am I getting anxious about these specific things? Why, why do I obsess? Why do I withdraw or have panic attacks or, or get more fearful or more driven or brood or, or whatever your anxiety does to you? Why is it? Where does this fear come from? Well, let, 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 me, let me break it down into, into a few ways we look at this and we think about where does my worry come from? Where does my worry come from? It's, it's, it's an easy answer to say if I think where does my worry come from is to just point at the thing I'm worried about. Well, that's where the fear's coming from. That's where the worry's coming from. It's that thing that I'm, I'm fearing that I, that I might not get or I might lose or I might get and I don't want it. That's where the fear, that's where the worry, that's where the anxiety comes from. But Jesus points to something completely different. He doesn't even point to how uncertain everything is. He doesn't point to something out there. He points to us. Throughout this whole passage, what he's saying is you worry not because of, of, of something out there. You're worried about something in here. It's something about me that I worry about, not the things that I worry about. Most people say, hey, if you want to take care of stress and anxiety, they would say the exact opposite of Jesus. They would say, just focus more on yourself. And, and for sure it's true, I mean, eat right, get good rest, get exercise, all those things help with, with this. But, but what Jesus says is, hey, hey, don't focus on yourself. Yourself is the problem. If all you ever do is think about yourself, you're going to end up with a lot of fear and anxiety. And so instead of, of that inward looking that fear causes us to do, Jesus says, take your eyes off yourself and begin to focus your attention on your heavenly Father. I mean, fear has this way of drawing everything, all my attention to myself. And listen, if the problem that's causing my fear is that I worship myself too much, then worshiping myself better isn't gonna help. It's gonna make it worse. So Jesus says, take your eyes off of yourself. Jesus shines the spotlight on, hey, what is it that you value? What do you, what do you love? What do you prioritize? What's that thing you're fearful of? Verse 22, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on, for life is more than food, the body more than clothing. Verse 32, skip all the way down, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said, hey, this is what the problem is. You're putting your value, your purpose, he calls it your treasure, on things that can't hold up your soul. So where does my worry come from? The first one is this. It comes from a faulty foundation. It comes from a faulty foundation. It comes from putting underneath me a treasure that cannot hold me. And Jesus is saying, hey, be careful where you put your hope. If you're worrying and you're anxious, you're storing the wrong treasure. I mean, if, if what you value the most can be lost so easily, can be, can be eaten or rusted or stolen, you're setting yourself up for anxiety. I mean, think about money. Think about your health. Think about relationships. Think about a perfect marriage, success in sports, how your kids will turn out. All of those things are horrible foundations for life. So if, if that's where you put your hope in, if that's where your treasure is, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, wherever, whatever is precious to you, whenever it's threatened, you're gonna be gripped with anxiety. So the question you need to ask is, well, where do I lose hope? Where do I find myself worrying? What am I placing my hope in? Verse 25, Jesus gives another clue as to why we worry. It says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Another reason why we worry, where, where worry comes from, it comes from a false sense of control. So it comes from a faulty foundation. Secondly, it comes from this, this false sense of control. He says, who, who can add a single hour to their life? And in the original language, it's who can add a single cubit to the span of their life? If you think of your life as a journey that you're walking, who can add a single cubit? A cubit is, is the distance from your elbow to the tip of your fingers. You can't even add that much to your life. And he said, if you can't even do that tiny thing, then why worry, why act like we control everything else? I mean, worry really, here's what it is. It's this illusion that I actually can control things. That's what fear is. Fear is I don't know the future, but I think I can control it. And so I begin to, to, to worry. And what happens is I become the king of my own little kingdom and I want to control my kingdom. And so I, I start to think if, if only I get my retirement savings right, then I'll be okay. If, if only my parents were better parents, then I would be in a better place. If, if only I had a better job, then life would be different. If only my spouse were better than our marriage would be perfect. If, if only my diet was improved, then I would never get sick. If only I figured out the right parenting technique and, the, and the, the perfect school for my kid to go to, then they'll turn out great. I mean, every one of those, it's this, this worry, this fear that, that assumes that we have control over the uncontrollable. And so we live in this illusion of control. And I'm not saying we shouldn't plan, we shouldn't prepare, we shouldn't save, we shouldn't budget, we shouldn't care for ourselves or the future in mind. But listen, listen, here's what I'm saying. Anxiety and control are the opposite sides of the very same coin. Anxiety and control are the opposite sides of the very same coin. We, we so badly want to control something. 
We don't see God as the king who's gonna protect and care and provide and own and, and, and do all this for us. And so we think, I'm gonna try to control it, and we can't control it. The control doesn't happen, and so what? We're more anxious. We have a false sense of control when God says, release it to me. I'm the one in control, you're not. And the final comment Jesus gives here for, for one more handle on, hey, why do we worry so much? It's, it's in our text again, Jesus pressing in our hearts. Look at verse 28. The last phrase of verse 28 says, oh, you of little faith. Why do we worry? Lastly, worry comes from a weak faith. <coughs> where he comes from a weak faith. Now, now remember, verse 22, it says he's talking to his disciples. So, so Christians, he's talking to us. He's not talking to people who have no faith. Or he's talking to people who have given their lives to follow him, who have who've turned their lives over to him in faith. But he's saying, you have little faith. Like a, a, a flashlight with its, with its batteries dying. The light begins to dull, begins to flicker. He says, your, your faith is dying out. And what's happened is <coughs> we lose sight of God. Why? Because we've taken this fear we have and we've placed it so close in front of us, we can no longer see God. Our faith begins to wither. We can't see who God is. Because what we love the most, what we prioritize the most, is not God and his care. We love this thing the most. And we've placed it right in front of our hearts. Now, here's the thing about all of this. It, it might sound odd, but, but how great is it that Jesus begins to press in on these things? That he, he speaks into these very real fears and says, fear not. Uh, I love it because he's not speaking as this high and mighty God looking down on us, us wimpy, broken, busted up humans saying, fear not, puny humans, Right? Like, yeah, puny, that's why I'm scared, because I'm little. That's not how Jesus is saying that. When he says, fear not, little flock, it's tender. He's saying, little flock, I, I, I know every one of you. I know your name. I know your personality. I know the things you're fearful of. I know your worries. I know your heart's desires. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's saying, God the Father, he's not reluctant, he's not hesitant, he's not stingy, he's gracious and good and wants to give you the kingdom. And, and we can be tempted to say, oh, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. You in heaven with angels worshiping around you, you don't understand what it's like to be in a broken world, a fallen world, a world, world full of worry and filled with a bunch of people you can't depend on. But, but listen, we know that's not true. Jesus, God the Son, he stepped into history. God became man as Jesus. And so it says in, in the book of Hebrews that he can sympathize with us in every way. He knows what it feels like to battle fear. So when Jesus is talking about fear and anxiety, I mean, Jesus gets it. I mean, think about what he's doing here as he's teaching. He's on his way to the cross to atone for the world's sins, to have God's wrath poured out on him. So when he says, fear not, Jesus gets it. He understands what it's like to die. He, he knows what it's like to have people gossip about you and slander you. 
He knows what it's like to have your family think you're crazy and disown you. He knows what it's like to have friends you can't depend on who in your greatest need turn their backs on you. He knows what it's like to have one of his friends sabotage their own life, steal from you, betray you, and end up killing themselves. Jesus knows what it's like to be single and alone. I mean, at this point, as he's talking here, he's broke and homeless. He's heading to the cross. I mean, Jesus isn't just some religious guy living the cushy lifestyle with everything he wants and needs and from his little white throne saying, hey guys, you guys shouldn't fear. Jesus needs this as much as we do. So when he says, fear not, he, he understands this and, and he's not just giving us something to do. Jesus is saying, hey, this is a whole different way of life. He takes apart why we worry. Why? Why? He takes apart the fact that we want to control our world, that we lose sight of God, that we forget who God is. He, he, he does this. Why? Because he's going to give us this strong, sure, beautiful foundation to put our hope on. And so, yeah, I've got lots of reasons to worry. But our second point this morning is this. I have better reasons to trust. I have better reasons to trust. Listen, Jesus has no interest in just simply laying out, hey, here are all your problems. Here's why, why what you're doing is wrong. He's always going somewhere good. Whenever, whenever the Spirit opens up your heart to bring conviction, it's always because he's bringing healing and transformation. And so Jesus here says, listen, listen, I'm gonna give you, now that you know where your worry comes from, let me give you far better reasons to trust, better reasons not to worry, better, better ways that you can rest your heart and your life on something that's completely certain. And in this text, he gives reason after reason after reason for our lives to be fully trusting in, in God. In fact, let's look at them. Verse 23, as we continue on in the passage, he says this, life is more than food, the body more than clothing. So our first better reason not to worry is this, life is more than my worries. Jesus, listen, there, there's so much more to who you are and to my plans for you than these things that you think you need or you don't have or you might lose. Don't build your life on those things, he says. Maybe you know people like this who, who, who you can look from the outside looking in and it's easy to kind of point out other people's things, right? And you go, man, I, the, what they're living for, there's, there's no good foundation there. Maybe you know like a 20-something who's, who's living on their looks and you're older and you're going, <laughs> that's gonna leave you soon. Wrinkles are coming. Gravity will do its work, right? Not a good foundation. Or, or, or I even think about athletics and, and people put all their hope and their foundation. My life is all about fill-in-the-blank sport and that's what it is. And, and yet you watch sports. I love hearing commentators saying, man, that guy's getting to the end of his career. He's almost 35. What? What a, a fickle thing to have your whole life be about. Jesus says your life is more than your body. It's more than what you put on. It's more than what you look like. It's more than money. If you're, if you're banking on your stuff, that's sand under your feet. That's not solid rock. All the things you love so much, that, that car's gonna break down. The house will need repairs. Life is so much more than these things, he says. There, there are better things to give your life to. Something more important than the stuff you worry about. And so as you think through, as you go through that worry list one by one to be able to think, man, my life's more than that. 
Jesus promises your life is more than those things you worry about. He goes on, and he says, verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So here's the second better reason not to worry is this, God cares for me. God cares for me. I mean, Jesus picked something so common. He's talking, he's teaching outside, and he goes, like those birds there. Think of those birds. And he, he points to these crows, which, which is great. They, like, he's saying these crows here, they're not worried about where they're gonna get food. These crows aren't up there in that tree thinking, how do we make a little crow tractor so that I can, I can plow that field there and, and grow some crow corn so I know, right? There's got to be a crow 7-Eleven around here somewhere that I can go into and I can get myself some snacks. Like, no, they don't worry about this stuff. Why? Because God feeds them. I know people are like, man, I, I wish I was as carefree as a bird. Here, here's where it comes from. They surrender it all. God's got it. And here's the crazy thing. The raven, who he, the, the bird he pointed out, he was actually pointing out a bird that, that in Jewish culture they would have considered to be a, a filthy animal, an unclean animal. So he, he picks this, this crow, this, this awful thing to say, hey, hey, if God cares for that thing, if God cares for that loud, scavenger, dirty, pesty crow, how much more valuable are you to him? Jesus said, listen, God even feeds a trash bird, you matter way more to God. So, so like the bird, you just need to trust that the Lord has got you. In fact, he takes his care a little further. He goes on, look at verse 27. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Now, now he's pointing to these flowers in the grass. Now, now get this, these aren't flowers in a garden. They're not tended by a gardener and planted nicely and watered and looked after. They're just flowers in a field. Nobody takes care of them except God. He said the flowers don't toil or spin. They, they don't have to worry about going to flower clothing shops, not having flower fashion shows yet. Yet when spring hits, don't you get this feeling when spring hits and winter's gone? And you look out and you go, man, the flowers are beautiful. But the daisies aren't turning to each other going, do, do my petals make my butt look big? They're not doing that. They don't, they're not concerned about their clothing, right? Why? Because God's taking care of God's making them as beautiful as they are. I mean, Jesus just took the care up a level, didn't he? He, he said, your, your basic needs are met like the crow. But he also makes you more beautiful than the richest man in the Old Testament. How? He clothes you, Christ follower. He clothes you with Christ's righteousness. He covers your sin and your shame completely. This is a promise that's far greater than God will take care of your daily needs. Jesus is saying God will clothe you with his radiant glory. You say, well, why do you worry about your health? I'll raise you from the dead to eternal life. Why, why do you worry about a few dollars? I'll give you the whole earth as your inheritance. Why do you worry when someone doesn't like you? I call you my beloved child and I give you the kingdom. 
He's not saying that there's nothing to fear. He, he's not saying, hey, you just got to be tougher. He's saying, no, you're a, little, you're a little lamb. But your father loves you. And your father happens to be the king of the universe. You'll be all right. Jesus is saying, listen, yeah, life is scary and, and you're not gonna make it unless you're connected to the Father and if you are, then you'll be fine. He's saying, shift your fears. Shift your fears from those things you're worried about to your Father. Have a, a right view of who God is. This, this view that says, my God is the king of the universe. He's bigger than my enemies. He loves me. He'll care for me because he's generous and he's good. And if we understand that, that changes everything. Life's more than my worries. God cares for me. Now sandwiched in between those two stories of, of crows and flowers, there's another verse there. Look at verse 25. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So Jesus gives another reason not to worry. Our third reason, it's pointless. It's pointless. And we've already talked about this. Worrying isn't gonna change a thing for the better. It, it, could, it could shorten my life for sure. Uh, medical doctors would tell us that, that it would shorten it, but we can't add, an, add, add a minute to my life. So why do I think that worrying is gonna take care of anything? He's saying there's stuff that's outside of your control. God is the king. God is the sovereign one. God's in total control. So when we worry, here's what we're saying. Here's what we're saying when we worry. We're saying, God, I don't want you to be my king. I think I could do a better job at this. I want the control. I want to run things. If, if you're trying to control it, it's pointless. You're going to be anxious and worried because you're trying to take a position that's reserved for the king of kings, reserved for God. So th this morning, what are you worried about that, that really you don't have any control of? That's, it's, it's really in the hands of God. Maybe you're worried about your health. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that you've, you've done all you can do to restore this relationship, to, to pray for, to care for, and, and yet still the restoration isn't happening. It's, it's in God's hands. Maybe financially you've, you've worked hard and you've done all you can do and yet there's still struggle. It's, listen, it's not in your control. It's in God's hands. Maybe you have a prodigal child that you've, you've loved well, you've cared for them well, and you're, you're so worried, are they ever gonna come back? Listen, it's not in your control, it's in God's hands. And Jesus is saying, listen, if it's out of your hands, don't be fearful, be faithful. If, if it's out of your hands, don't, don't be worried to grab it back because you can't control it anyway. It's pointless to grab it back, but be faithful to say, Lord, I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna seek you because you're in control. So life is more than my worries. God cares for me. It's pointless. Here, here's the four, fourth reason why it's better to trust because I've got a greater priority in life. I have a greater priority. Verse 29 says, do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. 
He's saying the, the world is seeking. That word seek there means you give your life to it. It's a pursuit. It's not just looking at it or looking for it. No, your whole life is about that. It says the world looks for those things. Everybody else is, he says, listen, listen, as a child of God, you live for something greater. You live for the eternal. Live for what really matters. That God made you and saved you for a purpose greater than the things that you're worrying about greater than the things that we define our lives by. And, and for sure, we have temporal needs. We need to work. We need to pay bills. We need to eat. We need to save. We need to provide for the future. But Jesus is saying, listen, your father knows you need those things. Don't make your life be about those things. What are you going to be about? What will you value? What will you prioritize? What will you love? Instead of worrying, he says, start seeking the kingdom. Here's the great thing. When you start seeking the kingdom instead of seeking those things, when your eyes come off yourself and start to seek vertically, what's gonna happen is you're gonna be able to start looking outwardly as well. Because Jesus goes on and says, sell your possessions, give to the poor. How can you do that? Well, only when your heart is fixed right on, I'm not looking inward at, at my worries, I'm looking to his kingdom and now my priorities can change. I mean, that's the invitation. Instead of looking inward, look upward to your father. See his care, see his love, see his covering, see his protection. And let it change the priority of your life. I think the hardcore truth of this is that sometimes we don't experience God's care because we stay in our worry rather than seeking him. We stay holding on to that worry we have and I don't want to let this go because I love it so much and I can't let it go. I'm just so worried about it and we don't experience the love and the care of the Father because we've never released it to him. It leads to our last reason why I can trust. I've got a great father. I have a greater father than my fears and worries. I mean, this is where the, where the seeking leads. When you start to seek, that, that you now see God as greater than your worry, his love and care greater than your fear. When, when you begin to see, Jesus, you gave your life for me. I'll hold on to that truth over and above any fear or worry that I have. To recognize that Jesus, you were crucified so I didn't have to be. Jesus, you were cast out. You were stripped naked. How do I know that, that God is greater? How do I know that Jesus' love is greater than these worries I have? We see the cross. How do I know he'll take care of me? Because he gave me the kingdom at the expense of his life. And so when I come against a dilemma, a, a, a place where I have a crisis of thought, a situation where a difficult choice has to be made in the moment of my fear and anxiety, am I gonna let the circumstances rule my heart and my mind and thereby rule my feelings and my actions? Or am I gonna let the evidence of God's love rule my heart and my mind and thereby rule my feelings and my actions? I mean, the first choice to let your circumstances rule your heart and mind, it leads just to worry and more fear. The second choice leads to hope and peace and love. The first choice doesn't require much of me. Just to sit in my worry. The second choice, though, is me surrendering, me believing that God is who he says he is. He is the king, not me. 
And what he says about me, what he says about you in Christ, that he loves you, that he covers you, that he forgives you, that he protects you, that he includes you in the family of God, that, that, that your fear and your shame are taken care of at the cross. You have a greater father than your fears. As we close, as the worship team comes up this morning, there's a verse in Proverbs 25, 28, it says this, as a man who has no control over his spirit is like a city with broken down walls. So what happens when, when my heart isn't seeking after the Lord? What happens when the walls of my heart are broken down and now terrorists of fear, criminals of worry, fires of, of, of fear and anxiety are burning in my heart. It's just all around. I don't know what to do. And it's, it's going on everywhere. Chaos and my mind loses its grip and, and fear and anxiety have taken over. What do I do in that moment? So we've already determined that anxiety and worry is it's kind of a universal experience. So, so we need to have a plan for what do we do when it grips my heart. As we close this morning, here, here's what I want us to do. I'm gonna ask you to, to do this this morning. That let's not wait till, till Monday. Let's not wait till next week. What do I do right now with this worry and fear and anxiety? Here's what I'd ask you to do. Just three questions to Two questions to answer and one thing to do. Here's the first question. What good reason do I have to worry? I mean, right now, right, right now, name the fear. What is it that you're fearing? What is it that you're worried about? And be specific. What is it? If you're taking notes, I would write it down. Write down, this is the fear of God. This is the worry I have. This is what I'm anxious about. This is the good reason that I have to worry. What, what is it that you want that you're worried you won't get? What is it that you, you're worried you're going to lose? What is it that you're fearful of getting? What are you seeking so much that you, you don't believe who God is and what his promises are? What is that fear? As you think of that, here's a second question. What better reason does Jesus give to not worry? I mean, which one of those five reasons that Jesus gives to not worry, which one grabs your heart the most this morning for that particular worry that you're thinking of, that you wrote down? What is it, the, the one promise you say, but this promise, this is a promise I can grab a hold of. Life's more than my worry. God, God cares for me that it's pointless, that I, I have no control anyway. I need to release the control to God, that, that I have a greater Father. I mean, which of these do you find the most inviting for that fear, that anxiousness, where you can say, man, if I only remember this promise, I'll be a different person this week. If, if I can grab a hold of this promise that I won't worry about my money, my health, my relationships. I mean, which of these better reasons do you most need today? And lastly, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Go to the Father. Take that fear to the Lord. Your, your Father knows what you need already. You can, you can go to Him with these, these things that concern you. You can cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. And here's the thing, though, I'm asking you to do this morning, though. What you'll have to do is leave those fears with Him. 
That's the hard part of this. That's the work of this, to release the grip, to submit yourself, to humble yourself, say, I can't control this. Lord, I trust in you. To work hard, to, to recognize who God is. So this morning, tell God what you're worried about. This morning, begin that journey of turning off the path of fear and anxiety and worry and turn towards God to run towards him in faith and hope and trust. You see, fear itself isn't a bad thing, but fear causes us to do one of two things, either to run away from God in fear towards the worry and anxiety or run into his arms, trusting him. So this morning, I'm gonna give you some time to take it to the Lord. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he can exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It starts with humbling ourselves and having the right view of God. And we have the right view of God. We then cast our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for us. And so this morning, that you take the time right now even, bring your fears, bring your worries, bring your anxieties to the Father.